Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out, and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zibby Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. Lisa Unger is the author of Last Girl Ghosted. She is a New York Times internationally best-selling author with books published in 30 languages and millions of copies sold worldwide. She is widely regarded as a master of suspense. Last Girl Ghosted is her latest novel, but Unger's critically acclaimed novels have been featured on best book lists from The Today Show, Good Morning America, Entertainment Weekly, People, Amazon, Goodreads, and many others. She has been nominated for or won numerous awards, including the Strand Critics' Hammett Prize, McCavity, ITW Thriller, and Goodreads Choice. In 2019, she received two Edgar Award nominations. Her short fiction has been anthologized in the Best American Mystery and Suspense, and her nonfiction has appeared in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, NPR, and Travel and Leisure. She lives on the west coast of Florida with her family. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Last Girl Ghosted. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. And, you know, just kind of just start off by saying thank you for everything you do for books and authors. You're such an amazing writer, publisher, entrepreneur. You know, it's like such an amazing gift that you're giving to people to reconnect them to books, you know, because it is such a true thing that, you know, for writers, especially like all writers are readers first, you know, it's that reader joy that makes us want to write in the first place. And so, sometimes as writers. And then I know like as moms, you know, you can kind of lose touch with that really like joyful part of your life. So it's such an amazing gift that you're giving everybody to to reconnect them to that space. Oh, thank you. And yes, of course you can start with that. (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't stop. Let's just do that the whole time. (laughs) Let's 
talk about you. Yeah, great. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you, Lisa. That is really sweet. And I really appreciate it. This all comes from such a place of of love, you know, just like yes. you said. I have such, I just, you know, a huge reader and I just love, this whole thing has been so much fun. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so. we all come to the business for, for that reason, right? Like nobody... Like everybody comes to this for love, right? Like all writers and, you know, editors, publishers, like, you know, everybody comes from that place of like, you know, that moment where you open the, you know, open a book and you read those first few sentences and you're like, you know, this can be so amazing. You know, like everybody comes from that place. And I think that's why it's such a, you know, joy, it can be challenging, but mostly it's a joyful way to, you know, to live and to earn a living in a joyful business. And, you know, there's so much like excitement all the time for like that, you know, that new book. And it's kind of a, you know, it's a blessing to be able to be in this industry. So true. And your mom is a librarian, right? Did she yeah. sort of inculcate this in you from a yeah, very early Yeah, she definitely age? did. She definitely did. My mom was like, you know, a great lover of story, you know, a librarian, of course, but also, you know, she loved, you know, all kinds of, you know, movies, theater, you know, and so my, and my dad was an engineer. And so he never wanted to do any of those things. Like he never wanted to go to the movies. He never wanted to go to the theater. So she just took me everywhere, you know, even when things were like sort of wildly inappropriate for me. (laughs) I just thought, you know, it would go over your head, you know, like whatever you didn't understand, it wouldn't, wouldn't matter. (laughs) I was like, I'm not sure that's the way it works now that we know a little bit more about child psychology. But, you know, so we went to all these different, you know, all these different things together. And there was, you know, my dad, even though he's an engineer, like also a huge reader of nonfiction. So we always had shelves and shelves and shelves of books. And there was absolutely no censorship whatsoever. You know, if I could reach it, I could read it. Like nobody cared, nobody was watching. And so I've just been this crazed reader, you know, like this literary omnivore kind of all my life, like reading wildly, like across genre, you know, all the time and just wanting that big story, you know, that big sort of epic purple story, deep, raw, emotional, scary, usually like, you know, always have had that like draw to the like dark side. So yeah, I mean, definitely grew up reading always. Can I just say that being a literary omnivore is the best expression I've heard in a long time. I'm literally going to write that down because I love that. That is the coolest. Yeah. Well, wait, that sounded amazing. I mean, I want to talk about your book, but yes, like, have you had, have you had that experience with a book yourself where you have felt that passionately about it? Like, did that happen? Does it happen all the time? Like, can you think of books that do that for you or that have done yeah, that for I you? Yeah, I mean, you know, and it's interesting that you asked that question because like, you know, it as it is actually an occupational hazard as a writer that you have to read so much, you read so much from, you know, for other people you read, I mean, things that you want to read, but things that you're doing, you know, like you get, I mean, I have a stack of galleys for blurbs and there's a lot of books that I read for research that, you know, I want to read, but it's like, it's not that kind of, you know, it's not, it doesn't necessarily always engender that type of reader joy. And so I was, you know, I was on stage a couple of years ago. I mean, who knows when it was now, because with the pandemic, like the time has just like become this, you know, I don't know, house of mirrors, but I was on stage with Laura Lipman mm-hmm. and we started talking about blurbing and stuff. And she said that, you know, she had really worked hard to preserve her life as a reader, that she really made sure that she was always reading things that she loved and want and wanted to read. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I wonder, I wonder if I've done that. 
And so I really started to, you know, I, I turned back at that. Oh, there's my labradoodle. Sorry. <laughs> my, my lab is on the couch. You might not be able to see it. You can't see him because he's, he's, he's yeah, yeah. couch colored. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, I thought, I wonder if, I wonder if I had really done that. And so I started to, I started to just go back to trying to find that reader, at least, you know, every, you know, at least every month to have a book that I picked just because, Ooh, I I'm excited. I want to read, I want to read that book. So yeah, I really, you know, sort of gone back there. The, the one that I read most recently that really did that really transported me, you know, in that way yeah. Yeah. that, that books do matrix by mm-hmm. uh, Lauren Groff. It was, you know, I mean, completely, you know, another universe, another world. And yet, you know, such deep, rich themes, brilliant characterization, you know, just very atmospheric, you know, just felt immediately transported to this world that is, you know, utterly other. And that's like, you know, that's the gift of, of reading, right. To open, open doors to, you know, every other universe. I just had that. I mean, most recently with like an an alternate sort of life that you sink right into, or you like, I don't know, it's like it, like Tessa Hadley wrote a book called free love. I mean, not to say that your book wasn't amazing, but like in terms of, see, yeah. we can talk about your book too, but Tessa Hadley's Free Love, you open yeah. like right away, you open, it, it's almost like a play. It's like you open mm-hmm. onto the kitchen and dining room of this upscale home in London in the 1960s with mm. with the young mother, like at her vanity sort of getting ready and with like all the scenes set. And then right. she ends up like leaving her husband. And anyway, I... Like, I don't know. There's something sometimes about the setting itself. Yes. yes. That it's like, okay, I am in this. I am in this like space. I'm in this space. Yeah, like in I this can space. feel it, smell it, hear it. I'm there. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Of course, with your book, I was also in a bar that was very crowded yes. and unpleasant. <laughs> uh, and then I was walking across the Brooklyn Bridge and then I was in the car and now I'm on like the corner of Broadway and 79th Street and like, I don't know, all over the place. So thank you for all that. I know. All I was like, oh, place. I was just yeah. on 79th Street. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, perfect. <laughs> okay, let's go back to your book for a second. Okay. Last Girl Ghosted. This is your 20, yeah. 20, no, this is your 19th novel, right? This is number 19, which oh my is gosh. crazy. To, it's crazy to say. Yeah, uh, number 19, that's right. 19th novel. Tell listeners what this book is is about and okay. how on earth do you keep coming up with so many plots then like how do you I have no idea I wish I knew I it's just I've been doing this since I was a kid so it's just kind of the way my brain works you know I think I've just been writing for so long that my brain writing and reading for so long that I just kind of internalized the form of the novel and it's just like constantly there's always constantly something percolating in the case of Last Girl Ghosted when we when we open up we meet Ren Greenwood and you know she's she's an advice columnist. You know, she's somebody who's come from a very dark past. She's kind of white knuckled her way into the light and she's built a life for herself that she loves. You know, she does this work of trying to help people through trauma and darkness and it's a catharsis for her. She thinks that this is, you know, it's part of the way she's healed herself. And so she's pretty happy, but you know, her best friend Jax is like, you know, you don't, you don't have anybody. You're not meeting anybody. You're not dating, you know, you're alone. And She's kind of okay with that, but, you know, she sort of gives into her friend and her friend pushes her into the world of online dating. Is it, Torch is not a real site, is it? 
It's not. No. Okay. I'm like, I'm so <laughs> out of it. It's my made up. It's okay. my made up site. I didn't think and, so, uh, but you never know. <laughs> right. You never know. You could be something you've never heard of. Yeah. And so she kind of has these, you know, she has a few underwhelming encounters and then she meets Adam. And when she meets him, you know, she falls hard. She falls really hard. And part partially that's, you know, her naivety, her lack of connection, but she falls for him really, really hard. And then after a particularly romantic evening, he makes a request. He says, tell me something about yourself that you have never told anyone. And she does. And the next day, Adam disappears. And his social media sites are gone and his cell phone has been disconnected. And the place he lives or the place she thought he lived is just a vacation rental. And Ren is gutted. She is just wrecked. And she then, when a, you know, a private detective shows up on her doorstep, she learns that she was not the first girl to fall for Adam and that all these other girls have disappeared. And so instead of kind of, you know, licking her wounds and being glad worse things didn't happen to her, you know, she decides that she's going to chase his dark digital trail into his past and into her own. And that is Last Girl Ghosted. Wow. Very cool. Of course, it starts off with this very sad oh, moment, yeah. right? With yeah. Mia and losing her, like in this, I, I mean, I'm not giving it away because it's the opening, right. but where she loses her mom and like curls up with her on the kitchen floor against her yeah. chest. I mean, that's so sad. It and how, of course, sad. and then you go into her, you know, addiction and recovery from addiction and where she is now. And this is all in the, in the very first moment. So immediately right. we're like hooked, like what's going to happen? What happens to Mia? Princess Bella, the whole thing. And like that sort of mother loss and, yeah, you know, you, you, even just the way you write about grief. Yeah. I mean, I think we all, as mothers, we all kind of connect to that. Like, you know, like everybody, you know, everybody feels like, oh, the worst thing that could happen to you would be to lose your child. But, you know, there's another layer to that too. Like the biggest thing we fear is them losing us. Yes. Right. Yep. Like that's yes. more, that's, that's almost more frightening. And, you yes. know, I feel like I've always kind of you know, wandered into those dark alleys, you know, like the thing that, you know, the, I always think that there are things that I'll never write about. And then, <laughs> and then I wind up writing about them, you know, just because, you know, I kind of consider myself a little bit of a spelunker, you know, I'm kind of shimmying into the dark spaces of the human psyche. And that includes addiction and grief and trauma and, you know, mental illness and all that. And like, those are the, you know, it's my number one curiosity and fascination is the human mind and what makes us who we are. And so I tend to go into these sort of dark spaces, but always, you know, I hope headed towards the light. I mean, who was I just talking to who was saying that most writing is an exercise in trying to cope with some sort of pain in some way. And particularly for memoirists, that's why you're writing a memoir. But, oh, this was Jenny Pentland yesterday. Anyway, but it's true. I feel like it's it's all exercises in working through our stuff. And I, <laughs> I think about that all the time. Like yesterday, literally, I had to be like, you cannot die. You cannot die. Your kids need you. You have to slow down. Like, it's going to be okay. Don't let yourself die. You know, like, I know, crazy. I know. I mean, it's such a weird thing. And I feel like it's like something that people don't ever really talk about, like that kind of that layer of like, you know, and then also just mortality in general is not something we ever really wanted to face. But now as a culture, we've had to face it in this really new way. Like everybody kind of knew in an intellectual way that, you know, 
you're pretty much out of control, right? Like you, you know, you can, you can get very good at thinking that you control your life, especially if you're a certain type of person and, you know, you can get very good at thinking that you're in charge of what's happening. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, if you think about everything you're worried about in January of 2019, not one of those things was a global pandemic that would disrupt your life and the right, the life of your children. If you're a parent for the next, you know, two and a half so far years. Right. And so like, you know, we kind of get into that like idea that we're, you know, or started to face that idea that we're really not in control the way we, the way our modern lives have conspired to make us believe we are. Yes. And I think it is a lot of why I, you know, like all my life I've, you know, I've been very fascinated with that type of thinking in those kind of dark spaces. And I do turn to the page to metabolize darkness for sure. And I think that a lot of people turn to thrillers and crime fiction for the same reason. I love that too. I turn to the page to metabolize darkness. (laughs) That's so good. You like speak in these like awesome, I mean, (laughs) I hope you you should write, I'm going to, you should like put it on a pillow or something. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I I turned to the page to metabolize darkness. I'm not sure how many people would buy that pillow, but maybe more than most crime writers. Maybe it's maybe it's not a yeah. It's like a gag gift for the crime writers association. That's right. We just give it to each other. Yeah, give it to each other. Exactly. Secret Santas or something. Everybody gives the same pillow. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because Lee Child like sort of famously gives this talk about, you know, about the thriller being the first story ever told, you know, and I had this conversation with a, a friend of mine who's an artist and we talked about, you know, like the first story ever told was, you know, a painting on a wall of a cave and, you know, and these thrillers that we tell ourselves, you know, the stories that we tell ourselves around the fire at night, you know, it's about how, you know, the, like the hero bested the, you know, the enemy or, you know, the hunter felled the beast that feeds the community for the winter. And it's like, you know, you tell each other these stories to make, make everybody feel braver in the dark, you know? And then when you turn to a thriller or crime fiction, it's like, it's all very, there's a beginning, there's a middle, there's an end, you know, there's darkness, there's some, some type of justice, maybe not exactly in my book, maybe not exactly the type of justice you might be looking for, but some type of justice is going to be served, even if it's just like poetic justice. And, you know, that is not so in the real world. And so it gives us this place to be scared, to be intense, to be like very involved in our character and what's going to happen to her or him, and then resolved like in a way that hopefully is satisfying. And so that, I mean, certainly we don't get that very much from life, right? (laughs) Yes. can say that again. (laughs) When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help. And I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy. And you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from. So you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Moms Don't Have Time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Moms Don't Have Time. Oh my gosh. So wait, tell me how, so the ideas are continually percolating. You're there with like your pickaxe and, you know, the belay and like ready to dive into, yeah, a little headlight, ready to (laughs) dive into the dark side. What do you do? Do you outline, like, what's your process? I know it's a boring question, but I'm actually fascinated by it. So (laughs) yeah. So usually there's like a germ, right? There's one thing like a seed, like for me, like reading, writing and researching is a continuum, right? Like it's a never ending thing, you know, like the research, is going to inspire the writing, is going to inspire more research, is going to inspire more reading, is going to inspire more writing. Like that's kind of my life as it is. And, you know, and then sometimes they have these conversations, like in the case of Last Girl Ghosted, I had a conversation with a really young friend of mine and she was talking about how, you know, she was talking about the dating apps, right? Like for me, like, I mean, I'm 105 years old. I've been married for a million years. So like, I've never been on a dating app. Like I went, like when I was first dating 20, you know, 21 years ago before I met my husband, I, there were just like the online dating things, like they had just kind of started. And so that's what I kind of had my experience with. So I kind of already had a sense of like, kind of the, the potential for it to be just very soulless and strange. Right. And, but it's, but it, but it's a norm now. Right. And so she was talking about how, you know, you just scroll and scroll and scroll. It's the next one. It's the next one. It's the next one. And she's like, how do you ever know if you've chosen the right person? And it just struck me as such a broken question. It struck me as like, okay, well, you're not, you know, you're not shopping for a toaster. You know, you're not like, love is a head trip, right? It's not a algorithm, right? And so she was like, so we kind of had this conversation. She goes on like to say, well, then if they turn up in your life, then, and they're not what you think, right? Like you, they're, and who is, who is like, you know, compares to their social media feed. Like they're not who you thought they were or you're not who they thought you were. It's just so easy to ghost that person because there's no close tie connection. Like you're not going to wind up sitting next to your Tinder dates, grandmother at church on Sunday, (laughs) right? So there's no external reason for you to be respectful, be kind, 
Right. So that was like the thing that got me, that was the germ that got me interested. It's not so much that I was interested in online dating. It was that I was interested in how online dating rewrites the way we relate to each other. How does it rewrite this very ancient pursuit of finding a mate? Which is essentially what is which is essentially what it is, right? So that's really kind of what interests me. And then I started doing my research, you know, and it usually leads me to a sloth of research or like documentaries and reading articles and finding books and maybe somebody to talk to, depending on how deep I want to go. And then if it all connects with something that's bigger, I think, some bigger question, then I start hearing a voice or voices. And I follow those voices through the manuscript. I don't have an outline. I have a very vague idea of what my book is about. I have a very strong connection to the voice or voices that I have in my head. I'm very interested in them and what they have to say. And then the story and the characters evolve for me on the page, much in the same way they will for my reader later. Like I, they reveal themselves to me in layers. And I've just written every single book that way. Wow. You know, which I'm sure there's an easier way to do it, but... <laughs> It's a lot of 3 a.m. wake-ups, you know, because it's a very subconscious process. So it's always like kind of going, going, going. And then like, you know, there's a lot of times where we just kind of wake up at 3. I'm like, oh my God, that's it. That's it. And so then I'm up, you know, working. So that's kind of how, that's kind of how it works for me. And, you know, I've never really, I've never worked from an outline. I feel like if I knew how the book was going to end, that there'd be no engine for me. You know, like that's like I'm involved in the story the same way I write for the same reason that I read, you know, because I want to know what's going to happen to these people who are living in my head. And so, you know, that that's the joy for me. That's the reader joy in the writing for me. Like that's how, you know, that's the full engine of how I just keep writing and writing and writing because I'm just in love with stories. Well, I know you're on your 20th book, right? Writing it's, your 20th or you're finished? It's done. It's, it's done. Finished. Number 20. It's wow. done. Yeah. Oh, so have you thought ever about some sort of like reunion tour where all the characters of all the books kind of get together and have a party? <laughs> like in a book? Yeah. In a <laughs> that book. Would be a very, that would, that's a great idea, but that would be like a scary party because I have some very dark. It would be, maybe it's a prison. Maybe it's like a prison you have to go yeah, to. Yeah. <laughs> It's like Arkham Asylum or something. Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would I love be really, it. Why don't you try I, it? That's a great idea. <laughs> I want I'm someone to it. try something cool with characters and like across yeah. books and across time. And like, what yeah, would it be I've done like? A, I've done a couple of things where, you know, people have asked me to like interview one of my characters, like in writing, you know, and I've, I've done a couple of things like that. And that's always like a very interesting exercise, you know, because they do you know, they do, they do live and breathe for me. Yeah. Like they're as real to me as most, as most of the people in my life, yeah. you know, and I feel that like, you know, deep connection to them. And then some characters have their story and then, you know, they're gone. And then some characters just stay and they show up like in Last Girl Ghosted, Jones Cooper is a character that turned up first in Fragile and dwells in this fiction, my fictional town, The Hollows, where a number of my books are set. And so he just frequently just kind of turns up. And I feel like, oh, like he's here because I need somebody to like manage the crisis. Like I need a stabilizing influence. And he just kind of shows up and, you know, fixes the things that are that are broken or gives this kind of very like, 
you know, practical Luddite perspective on, you know, the mess that people happen to be in at the moment. And so he kind of turn he turns up and things. And then, you know, there's a number of characters that I maybe haven't, ha- hasn't turned up, but I still think about them. You know, I still think about, well, what if, you know, even characters that are no longer with us, one in particular, I feel like she's still around. So I'm just trying to figure out where she's going or she's going to show up again. So, you know, it's just kind of a, again, another, it's another one of those, you know, continuums. Wow. That's cool. Wait, so what's, what's your 20th? What's the premise of that book? Well, I'm not totally ready to talk about it yet because it's, I'm still in my kind of revision process, but you know, like the final like copy editing process. So when it's done, then I'm ready, then I'm ready to talk about it. But I will say that, you know, it's a psychological thriller and, you know, bad, bad things happen. <laughs> <laughs> I watched like a short, it, not interview, because you, you were just really talking, little video that you did about yeah. people, when people were asking you if you'd like, if you'd written your best book yet or something like that. And yeah. you were like, you always like to think that your writing gets better every single time and that your best book is always going to be your next book, which I thought was so interesting. I love that. I do hope that's true. I do. You know, that that's like my number one driver. You know, I've been writing a long time and, you know, I've, you've had a long career and, you know, the things that are great, exciting, you know, the, you know, great reviews or bestseller lists and all that, that's like, you know, that's wonderful. And it's such a blessing to, to be able to have those things happen. But you know, the thing that gets me out of bed every day is that I think I can be a better writer today than I was yesterday. You know, I really do believe that, you know, and I believe just in the doing of it, you know, it makes you better, makes you better every day. And so I hope always that, you know, I feel like I'm always operating at the pinnacle of my ability at that time, right? Like there's never a moment where I've done less than I thought I could do. You know, I'm always like heart and soul involved in, in what I'm doing. And so I hope, I hope, but I always hope what comes next is, is, is better, is more exciting, more involving, more, I don't know that I'm more careful with my words, more, you know, more in scene, more get, you know, giving more to my, to my reader. So that's definitely a major driver for me. In your acknowledgments, you thanked your family and said, it's really hard to live with a writer. So what do you think the hardest part is for them? (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'd have to, I'd have to ask my husband to come on to give that answer. I think it's just, you know, they're, you know, I, my daughter is 16 and so she's grown up, like, this is all she knows is like, you know, there are these moments where you're like, oh my God, everything's fantastic. The pages are flowing, you know, it can't, couldn't be better. And then there's like the days where like things are not going well and you can't, you can't get into it. And you like, and your manuscript kicks you out and you're like, you know, that's it. It's wrong. It's all wrong. It can never be right. You know? And, and then you're like, oh, I'm back in. And like, my husband is very good at being like, I know this is horrible. You know, you're okay. Yeah. It's going to be okay. You know, we, we know, you know, you say this every year, right? Like, you know, we do this every single year and I'm like, no, this time it's really true. It's horrible and I can't fix it. And he's like, just go back up to your office. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I go back up and, you know, I mean, the writing life is, you know, it's a little bit roller coastery. You know, there are these like sort of dizzying highs and these crushing lows and, you know, great things happen and bad things happen. And, you know, the work is, is organic. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not like you have a job with a specific list of tasks and you go and you do it and then you punch out. It's like, always, it's always with you. 
it's always with you. And, you know, and my husband and I have like worked together for a really long time. So he like, we like to say he manages the corporation, (laughs) which is like all the stuff that surrounds the, like the business of being author. So like, we've been doing that for a really long time, about 15 years now. And so, you know, that's the, you know, all the joys and wonders of working with your spouse. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, there's all that, all that great stuff, but, you know, and then, um, you know, Ocean, my daughter, you know, she's been on like now she's older, not so much, but when she was small, she came on every single book tour with me. And, you know, so that would mean like, you know, if it was 10 cities in, you know, 12 days, that meant that I did that with my baby and my husband and sometimes my parents, which we always joke is like, the worst entourage ever. <laughs> it's like the worst entourage. Yeah, of where is Matt the Dylan in this scene? You know, <laughs> you're like, what are you guys not supposed to be helping me? So it would be like, my dad was there to take care of my mom so that my mom could take care of ocean so that Jeff could take care of me and we could go out and do oh our my gosh, I love it. And so it was like chaotic and crazy. And I look back and think, how did we ever do it? But you know, honestly, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done it any other way. Oh, that's so nice. I love it. Lisa, this has been so fun. And in the back of my head this whole time, I'm trying to figure out where I'm going to put, I turn to the page to metabolize darkness, but I'm going to find a place and then I'm going to send it to you when I figure it out. Okay, <laughs> it's perfect. A, it's I, some swag related item. <laughs> I love that. I, I, I love that. That is really exciting. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been really fun getting to know you and I hope our paths cross in real life. It's been amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.